there's the camera. Hello there, Vlad here. Welcome to Cat Pick Fridays episode 11. And today I'm once again joined by the man who Poo Ninja labeled, the man who makes every conversation richer, Richard Morgan. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Wow, like, what a beautiful intro. Thank you very much. I, I feel like this is my, my second interview. You know, like when you go for a new job, <laughs> you do one round and they're like, oh, you're pretty good. You can come back and try again. So that's what I'm doing now. Who knows? Well, you made it to the second round. Congratulations. Uh, you Thank guys you. went excited. late yesterday. How are you feeling? Like on the Blue Guitar live stream, that is. You guys went yeah, late. We, yeah, we finished at like, I think quarter past 10 local time with the stream and then the stream stops but then you have to take some things down and sort of look over stuff and chat about it a little bit and then it takes me nearly an hour to drive home so it was a late night last night but if you guys are interested watch the blue guitar academy of tone number 51 it was a whole lot of fun and we almost blew up two amps oh really <laughs> i need to watch that yeah like, we actually we, we destroyed one but not the other that, that, that's a good ad for the show. I want to check it now. Like I was, uh, I think I was yeah. just sitting on my couch yesterday and like browsing YouTube, and I like checked it out a little bit. I saw Thomas like opening up a cabinet, I think, or something like that. Looked fun. <laughs> yeah, he did that as well last night. And we also, what we were doing was we had like you know the blue box, the virtual cab sim box, and we were showing the difference between recording with a load with a reactive load and with a dummy load. And oh. Thomas had this kind of homemade reactive load thing, which had just been made in the offices at Blue Guitar, and that blew up and at once. So go watch it. <laughs> yeah, links below <laughs> in the description, both on the podcast platform and platforms, multiple platforms, and YouTube as mm -hmm. well. And I quickly have to mention that if you enjoy the show, please consider hitting the like button. If you haven't subscribed yet, but enjoy the show again, please hit subscribe button as well. That helps to grow the channel and keep this thing rolling as well. And as always, I also need to mention that this episode is available both on YouTube and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. So check those out as well. If you're more into audio than video, I don't know if that's the right term for this, but yeah. It's there. We're seeing, seeing some nice growth on the Catpick Studios, or sorry, Catpick Fridays episodes. Like, anytime I check Podbean, there's always like 20% growth, 30% growth, stuff like that. And I've actually noticed like people have been checking out the Master the Basics episode as well, in one of which Rich is actually teaching us some useful stuff as well. So, yeah, check yeah, those out. Sure. <laughs> And yeah, fun show tonight. Tonight, today, it's morning actually. To this morning, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about a cool contest that's going on at Gigat's channel. First, in recent happenings, we'll also talk about maybe having a bit too much gear. I might have been guilty of that lately. Uh, Rich wanted to talk about my new studio pedal board. I launched a video this week, and there's a lot of pedals on it. <laughs> <laughs> so so we'll talk about that. Uh, Vlad Files uh, is actually about us two. So we'll share a bit on how we met. And then we'll talk about uh, the guitar that kind of started it all for me, guitar building wise. So we'll talk about my first tele I ever, ever owned, which kind of resulted me in building like my own tele and kind of started the whole guitar building thing as well. 
and we'll answer some of your questions and comments and I'm going to give you a weekend watch recommendation of something that is actually not on YouTube so I'm breaking the rules I set for myself and also I need to mention that if you're really interested in one of the segments there's timestamps in the description as well I need to figure out how it works on Podbean slash Apple Podcasts and Spotify but I think those are available there as well so yeah I think it's time to dive into recent happenings. How do I operate this machine? Like this, I think. I'm a little bit proud of that intro. It looks like a new segment, which is exactly what I wanted to go for. <laughs> uh, especially the music. It's like uh, like the cheapest like string quartet I could find on Logic Pro and just, it's like a major chord. Just do that and add yeah, like it. a second descending pattern, like ba, 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 which is again just some cheap, uh, well, not cheap, they're free. If you got, have Logic Pro, you have those instruments I use to create that. So, yeah, just some horns. Sounds like a new segment, which is exactly what we're doing here. The first thing I wanted yeah. to talk about is the Gear Guts songwriting contest slash giveaway. They are nearly at 200k subs. And Trey from Gear Guts is basically giving away a bunch of stuff, course stuff, uh, all kinds of little pieces of gear, stuff like that. But I think what's most interesting is the songwriting contests he hosting and... The winner of that songwriting contest will get the Rev 100P Mark III. I think I've wrote Mark II, but I think it's Mark III. So it's the one with the built-in two-notes capture technology. Or not capture the... What's it called? Capture X, actually. Sorry, no. I was correct. Mm -hmm. So I think it has like a stereo out and stuff like that. Really, really cool stuff. And... There's still time to enter. I think it will run until they reach 200,000 subs, which might be still a few weeks away. And I think the kind of rules for that contest were, were that you need to write a song, like a new original song, and you have to submit it. And there's, I think it has to be four minutes long max, stuff like that. And Trey has two videos out where he goes through these songs that have already been submitted. And I think it's absolutely incredible how few people are able to follow the rules. First of all, the song can't be something you had released like five months ago. That's something that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, the song can't be over four minutes long. That's something people struggle with. Uh, the song kind of needs to have something else than jazz guitar riffs, something that people struggle with. Um, yeah. There's, there's been some really cool entries as, as well, but very few songs with actual vocals, which has been kind of funny. Have you been able to check out any of those yet? Yeah, I watched all the videos. So there's an original <laughs> video where he talks about yeah. reaching 200K. And yeah, there's already two where he is showing us some of the entries that already came in. And some of them sound really good and lots of people didn't follow the rules. But it is, as you say, I think I heard one or two with vocals up to this point. So a lot of them just sort of sound like one riff, followed by another riff, followed by another riff, followed by a breakdown, followed by a really heavy riff, and that's the end. Yeah. And it's like, that that works, but I think for this competition and, you know, for the quality that Trey holds to himself, you're going to need a bit more to win, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, I Like, I think I now understand why, I think Glenn is hosting like his third or fourth, like, 
cover contest, oldies but baddies right now. And it's incredible how like people are just unable to follow the rules. Like I think the first time he was doing it, like the one of the rules was that <coughs> it needs to be a video. It can't be just audio with a picture <laughs> in it. And I think he got like so <laughs> many entries <laughs> with just the audio. <laughs> It's funny though, but like yeah. I, I remember as well. Obviously, I work in the same industry, and um, with a previous company that I worked for, we once did a competition, and we had two separate ones running. It was for Easter actually, a couple of mm. years ago, and um, people had to find the Easter egg that we'd hidden on one of our product pages, and they had to share certain information with us. They had to share it on their Facebook and like what we'd done and like our page. So there were like three or four different things that they had to do in order to win. And we had over the two brands, over 500 entries in total. And I think, how many people out of those 500 do you think actually fulfilled all the rules? Guess. <laughs> I'm going to say 50 at max. It was less than 50. What? It was about 40. So if you actually <laughs> go and enter a competition like that and make sure that you follow all the rules, your chances of winning are surprisingly high. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually like, I, I want to rev 100p Mark III. I think I need to like just write something because... <laughs> because yeah, I mean, firstly, you can make kick-ass records, but also if you literally go through and say, okay, it needs to be less than four minutes. I have this amount of time. I can put vocals on it. Then you're instantly going to be in the shortlist. Yeah, seems so. Apparently, it's kind of I don't know. It it it's something that I just keep wondering, like how this is happening. What what are people like? What's the people's mindset when they actually enter? Like one of the first rules is that it needs to be an original song that you just create created for this stuff. And yeah, I think some someone submitted like a. Actually, a very decent pop punk song, but it was submitted like three hours after the <laughs> competition was announced. So eh, I don't know. I don't yeah, think I mean, they, they made it. They in could three have hours. written it live, but yeah, yeah. no. Uh, are you going to enter? I don't know. Maybe though. It 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 would be kind of weird since like Trey's a friend of ours and stuff like that, and like entering that competition. I don't know. I'll see. I'll keep the door open. Actually, I just re realized, like, I have a song that technically would be a new song because it's unreleased, but I didn't write it during the contest, so I don't... I uh, see, there you go. That's one of the rules. I know. That's where I fail. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'll see. I'm not say saying no, but I'm not saying yes either right now, so <laughs> we'll mm -hmm. see. I'm so mysterious. Uh Kind of watching this video and happen some stuff that happened this week. Uh, uh, basically, I just started cleaning up my closet and decided, hey, I have a bunch of this stuff lying around that I probably don't need anymore or have just never used. And I just put a bunch of things on sale. And it happened. The thing happened where I found stuff in my closet that I didn't remember I had. <laughs> and... That's one of those moments where you definitely go into more like, do you have too much gear when you don't even remember that you had it? And that's mm -hmm. how I felt actually this week. Uh, luckily, a lot of the stuff has already gone. I think somebody's going to pick up one of the pedal boards as well on Saturday. So that's good, <laughs> but I don't know. Do you ever feel you have too much gear? 
Well, I guess the question I would ask you is, how much gear is too much gear? And the answer to your question is, yes, I have way too much gear. <laughs> it's like, um, I don't know, go back 10 or 20 years or something, and I guess most players had like one amp, they would have one or two guitars, and maybe a handful of pedals pretty much. And these days, we're all crazy, you know? I recently, I kind of documented what pedals and gear I have because I've started my own little YouTube channel and I was like, I'll list everything that I have in an Excel document so I can make a video about it. And when I realized that I had over 50 pedals at the time, I was like, Jesus, what on earth have I been doing? I mean, I've collected these over the last 20 years, you know? So it's sure. not like I'm buying a pedal every week or something, but you know, 50 of those things? Who needs 50 pedals? Uh, the answer is me, but actually I don't, you know? Yep. And there are certain ones which have been sitting in a drawer for quite a long time that I didn't realize that I had. It's, it's odd, isn't it? Yeah. But actually, I don't really sell stuff. That's another of my problems. I hoard things. So. Yeah. Well, for me, it was like easy to decide what to sell because I had like what I think I still have at least one wireless unit. Somehow I ended up with like several wireless units, even though I don't even play live. And when I play live... I don't like to use wireless units because uh, there's always a possibility that there will be some sort of interference going on. I'm just fine with the cable. I don't run around stage anywhere, anyway, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, like I got rid of a lot of that kind of stuff. And yeah, I think to me, the limit is like, or like the threshold of having too much gear is the fact that you don't remember having that gear. That that That's kind of the threshold for me because I have this thing where Every piece of gear I have, at least in my head, I kind of need for it to have purpose. It needs to have some sort of like goal. Yeah. And for example, when we dive into my pedal board next, uh, friends of mine were joking when I showed them the picture like, hey, do you have enough overdrives on your board? Because I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six different drives on the board, but I actually have use for them. So that's why they're there. But yeah, I don't know. For me, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And yeah. if you if you start to think as well about the combined value of all those pedals, you're kind of like, oh god, there is so much money that I have invested into these pedals. Some of which just sit in a cupboard, and yeah. I do nothing with. It's strange. On the other hand, I have to say that, you know, I work in the music industry. So do you. This yeah. is our job in a way. So for me to get pedals and to test them with the amps for the companies that I work for, to try different guitars. For me, that is part of my profession. So sure. I'm going to use that as an excuse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would still call it an That's excuse, fair, though. Yeah, I had a point. Oh, yeah. The my, the my Guitar series has been kind of an eye-opener in the sense, like, how many years I actually spent, like, filling that void of not really being that good at a guitar or music or not, like not being good at things I wanted to be good at, which is recording, being able to like track well on the guitar and stuff like that. How many years I spent like filling that void with getting a new gear, blaming the gear for that, those issues I was having. It's kind of going through the guitars I've had has been an eye opener in that sense. Kind of depressing, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. But how about this for another counterpoint? For me, these days, often I'll see a new piece of gear. It's often an overdrive pedal because mm -hmm. I love drive pedals. And I'll say, wow, I really want that. That will inspire me to play. 
and then I buy it, and then I play only that for the next few months. Oh, and in that sense, it's like if the gear inspires you to play more and have a good time, then what more can you ask for? Yeah, you know, you might pay maximum a couple of hundred euros or dollars for an expensive overdrive pedal. If you offset that, maybe against going out for a meal a couple of times, going for a night out, maybe all these things that we used to do 18 months ago before the world shut down. I know. How much of those can you do compared to buying a nice drive pedal? Yeah, that's, that's true. Like how much more joy, like in the long run, it actually brings you compared to that one night out. I mean, it's, I'd love to be able to see my friends or like just go out sometimes, especially right now when we're in a situation where our, do our daughter is old enough that she can stay overnight at grandpa's place, for example. So we could actually kind of do that, except, there's a little thing called pandemic right now going on so yeah i feel you like uh actually like interestingly enough again i'm <laughs> already advertising our talk about the pedal board but i didn't get a single new pedal for it well okay i got the base preamp but it's again for need because i didn't have anything bass related before that but just like mm. arranging them properly inspired me to write the song that i actually released last week so yeah even that could help. So I think I'm kind of affirming your point, I think. <laughs> yeah, if there's, if there's songs in those guitars or pedals or gear, yeah. if they inspire you to create new things, then for me, that's priceless. Yeah. I accept that I'm in denial about gear, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're going to always say, yeah, we yeah, earn our money we, we, we spend it how we like. Yeah, we work in the industry, so we can do whatever we want. The, the rules don't apply yeah. to us. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Wanna talk about the pedal board? Yeah. So first of all, do you have any questions about it? Like what, when, why type of things? Yeah, all of those questions actually. But the, the first question I would have asked was actually one which you talked about already. Hmm. Why six drive pedals? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to list the drive pedals and describe the function. <laughs> in the board, I guess. The, this this sounds very, very defensive, I guess. Like in the sense, I'm defending my decision to have six drives on the board, even though I'm comfortable with my decision. Okay, first of all, there's the KMA Audio Fuzz Libre, which is a fuzz pedal. That's my only fuzz pedal, and it's one of those fuzz pedals that I think are actually kind of easy to use by the way i should mention that if you want to check out the pedal board video links below in the description things so where i explain a bit more about the whole thing but yeah fossil bear is a fuzz that's the only fuzz i have on the board and you want to have fuzz on your board every now and then it's fun for both bass and guitar sometimes when i'm checking then there's a kms stroker which is it's kind of a treble boost but i think it's more as of like kind of Swiss army tone shaping tool because it allows me to cut and boost both treble and bass quite a bit and just boost the signal mm -hmm. and select like what range I'm boosting as well. And that thing is great for both like sometimes you pick up a guitar and it sounds good but there's like a boomy frequency or something like that. So I kind of use it as an EQ even though I don't have like a I could also maybe have like an EQ pedal on the board, but I actually use it as an EQ pedal in that sense. I either cut out something that's kind of bad for the recording or I sometimes boost as well. So that's why it's there. Then there's the new X Steel Singer, which is basically like a double sound. 
it's amazing for low gain kind of mayorish type of thing you can do a bit of rock with it as well but it's perfect for those hair on your clean sound type of thing makes your guitar sound yeah. really thick so i i have kind of this is actually yeah this is how i actually think about the pedals i have like different musical segments for them so the steel thing is like John Mayer, clean, maybe some clean worship stuff. Like that's where it lives and that's where I use it. Like that's what I use it for. Because the next pedal is the Kalan Pure Sky, which is then again like this country rock type of overdrive or just just a really, really good rock overdrive. I think it's probably like a Timmy copy. So is it mm -hmm. Paul Cochrane who makes Timmy, yep. right? Yeah. So yep. yeah, I think that, Probably is a copy of his pedal, though these tone controls work actually the kind of traditional way. I think on the Timmy they are kind of reverse, I think. So Yeah, they're a cut. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I th I think that thing is like I bought it for twenty seven euros of a used market many years ago. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can still buy it on like wish.com or somewhere, I think. Uh then there's the KMA audio machine slogan. I'm cheating by looking at the pedal board <laughs> under <laughs> my feet. And that's the one that I haven't dove into that much yet. But it sounds very different from everything else. There's this, I don't know, the, it's almost a bit fuzzy, but it's still drive. There's a lot of tone shaping and controls. There's like a ability to do a mid boost or mid cut. And you could actually even control it with expression pedal to kind of if you sweep the mid frequency, you kind of get the fuzz, or not the fuzz, but the wah effect even, like you could do that with it as well. So that's an interesting okay, one. Cool. I decided to put it on the board just to learn it. And there's a strong chance it might become one of my favorite drives ever because all the sounds I've been getting from it until this point have been amazing. So yeah, that's good. And then the Rev G3 for all the rock and high gain stuff. It's fantastic. I don't know. Did this sound like me defending myself for putting six drive pedals on the board? <laughs> no. I mean, obviously, to the uninitiated, they might yeah. think six is too many. You only need one, or you only need your amp. But actually, mm. most of those are very different flavors of game yeah. and will also work well when stacking them together. But you've got the, the fuzz, which is in its own category. You've got the, the steel stringer, Singer. is it, or steel singer? The steel singer, no, the steel stringer is the, yes, is the vertex, which it yes. might be paying an homage to. Yeah, so you've got yeah the steel singer and the pure sky. They're yeah. both kind of low gain, bit of hair on the signal, so they're quite similar. But yeah, the KMA Logan as well, that's a fairly new one, and I've mm. not played it myself, but I've heard that it is very different as a pedal. Yeah. The demos that I've seen online all seem very different. It seems kind of unique. And yeah, the Rev G3 for high gain. Yeah, I think I might have forgotten one of the pedals there. Yeah, the uh, the treble booster as well. That's yeah. also doing something different. So all six of those pedals have a different flavor. And I can imagine that when you're writing different genres, you know, you mm. do metal, you've recently branched out into indie, you do different <laughs> flavors of metal, you do rock, classic rock, heavy stuff, not so heavy stuff. And you've even done worship tones as well. And it's yeah. all a little bit different. And that's why I can see that one of those pedals will do the job for each one of those different things. Plus guitars, plus the other effects that you're using, plus the amp, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's all part of this sonic texture. So it's yeah. fine. And I can totally imagine that when I next build my board up again, there'll be six or 
around six drive pedals on it maybe around some somewhere between four and twenty <laughs> yeah somewhere so, in that ballpark, so, sounds yeah. like you have plenty to choose from so why not uh and yeah <laughs> I, was, I was actually having a discussion with friends yesterday i was uh spent my afternoon yesterday uh kind of re-recording a cover i did with my is he like a brother-in-law or something like that i don't remember no not a brother-in-law but like well basically one re relative and we did a cover in 2017 i think and i'm kind of re-recording it to create like a full band version of that cover we did mm -hmm. and basically trying to match Slash's tones on one of the albums he's played on. And it's kind of interesting, like, having the, these all of these pedals and drives and stuff like that and just repeating the process many times. Like, anytime I record now, I have a reference track that I, I kind of figure out how to get sound, guitar sounds of that track. And I was, like, when I sent the track to my friends, the first reply was like, hey, you're getting like really good guitar sounds on a consistent basis now. What happened? And my answer is that I practiced. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he meant it in a good way, but yeah, there, there's been times yeah, yeah. where my sounds haven't been that great. Uh, and I said that I've been able to like, the pedals I've had, like, a lot of the pedals I've had have been at my place for several years now. And I'm able to, like, when I hear a guitar sound, I kind of know which pedals to go for to replicate or, like, get close to those tones. And, like, even now, I don't have a single, like, a Marshall pedal on my board, yet I'm still able to get fairly close. And surprisingly enough, I actually went for the G3 plus the Caline Pure Sky Overdrive to get slash tones. So, okay, I was actually mm -hmm. surprised how close I got. So that, so, yeah. I need the six drives. Trust me, I need them. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand. I, I feel with you, and I absolutely understand that. I th the other thing I wanted to ask about the board was, yeah. you've got, what, one, two, I think three. Yeah, the Fuzzly Bear, the Strokur, however you pronounce it, and the Logan. Three KMA drives. But you've also got a bunch of other KMA stuff. You really love that brand, don't you? Yeah, I do. I think it's... Um a mixture of both them being like good pedals audio wise but i just love the graphics like pedal board building pedal boards and like like having like all the pedals proper like evenly spaced out and everything like i like structured things i guess and i got this zen feeling looking at the board everything's like nice and clean <laughs> and functional and stuff like that i think a lot of people can relate to that so yeah yeah for sure and KMA make great stuff. And Enrico, yeah. the guy who owns it and builds the pedals, we both know him and he's he's an awesome dude as well. So yeah, more support for small builders like that. Exactly. And I think also with his pedals, like none of them are like one trick ponies. Like there's always some hidden switches or like weird ways. Like if you turn these and these knobs to like extreme position left or right, you suddenly get like completely different kind of sounds. And like even Fuzzly Bear is like, it's a easy to use fuzz pedal but there's like cool tricks like if you set up in a certain way especially there's like a <laughs> skin slash meat control which basically makes it thinner or thicker plus like some sort of meat mm -hmm. scoop if you set it up in a certain way when you do like bends you get like these overtoners and you it also over like almost sounds like you have an octave pedal engaged as well even though it doesn't have an, like an octave in it so yeah they're like i think 
they're designed in a way where they're fairly approachable right away, but there's so much to dive into, and I like that. So I, I feel like even though I've had some of the pedals for a couple of years now, I still I'm like nowhere close of like figuring every single thing about them that they can do. So that's cool. Like it's part of the journey, and they've like they've stayed on the board for a reason. Let's put it that way. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a story to share about how we met. We teased that already. Should we jump to that next? In this week's Flat Files, we talk about how Rich and I met. How did we meet? We met as part of our professional work. Yes, talking true. about pedals and guitars and stuff, just like we're doing right now on this show. And we first met in the deepest, darkest corner of East Germany, in a small town called Mark Neukirchen, in 2017. I'm going to say yes. I think was so, it August 2017. I want to say it was August. I think it it was either August or September, and the occasion was Gitcon the very first YouTuber guitar gear event. And yes. we were in Mark Neukirchen in East Germany because that is where Warwick and Framus, the bass and guitar company, are located. And they were the host for this event. And I was there with Hughes and Kettner representing the brand. And you were there as a production yeah. person, weren't you? Pro production person is exactly the term I would use. For myself as yeah, well. I think yeah. that was the official title on your <laughs> on your little badge that you didn't have production person. <laughs> yes, probably. Yeah, it was like yeah, I remember at that stage yeah. you weren't a channel, were you, officially? Uh and you, you I, went to I, the event to be a producer. Yeah, I just had launched my channel like a few months ago before that. I think I launched my channel in uh April twenty seventeen and I had mm -hmm. maybe like five, six, seven videos, maybe 10 videos out by that time. But yeah, I was officially there as part of the production team. So yeah, uh, I was still allowed to shoot a few videos. Like they gave us a green light. I think me and Harry, I think Anagita, Harry was there as well. He got to shoot a few videos for his channel as well. Excuse me. And yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, do kind of see myself more as a production person there though like we worked insane hours there was too few of us then we had three video rooms and five people to operate the cameras which was a bad idea because it usually takes uh -huh. two people to set up and also set up the camera so kind of yeah but i still remember that event kind of fondly it was a lot of fun i got to meet so many people who have become friends you included and yeah, uh, I guess this could also be the time when I tell, like, you don't know this yet, but like my first impression of you was like, hey, that's that that's the Hughes and Kettner guy. He seems so, what's the word, poised or like, like he knows what he's doing and I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, he's kind of cool. <laughs> and I think uh, it was almost like a bit difficult to approach you at first, but I think then really? you kind of... Uh, you seem like you seem to know your stuff and I had no idea what I was doing either the production wise or especially like I didn't think of myself as a YouTuber that much yet at that point I had just started out so yeah yeah well we were all learning at that time you know I sure. mean that was 
the very first event of its kind where YouTubers came together and brands came together. This happens every year at the NAMM show and at the Music Mesa and at other official industry events. But to have all the YouTubers and the brands in one room and to have this kind of level playing field and to have this production team as well and to also have the local people from the, the facilities where we were, everyone together for four or five days, you know, from morning till night. And it was super long days every day. It yeah. just, it really made this kind of level playing field and at first i did feel that the brands and the youtubers were a little bit separate and i felt that the production people as well also you guys you did know what you were doing you wouldn't have been invited if you didn't know but you also felt like oh here are people from big companies that i know and here are youtubers from channels that i watch and it's like how do i talk to these people but ultimately after about half a day or at least after the first evening you know getting to know each other in the bar or whatever we all realized that 99% of us are the same kind of people. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're all a little bit nerdy about gear. We all like talking about music. We all love it. We all play it. We've all been in bands at some point, or at least I think pretty much every one of us has done yeah. that. And we're all there doing the same thing just from different angles of it. You know, the YouTubers mm. were making videos about it. You guys were producing videos for them about it. And I was supplying the gear and talking to YouTubers about that gear. That's yeah. how it was, and w it was a really good communal feel, I would say. Yeah, I'd say so. I think what probably brought everyone together were the like the evening jams. So every day, like the after setup days when everyone had arrived, I think we had like five days of like the official stuff uh, where we would. Yeah, it was like a whole week, I think. Yeah, I, uh, m might be. Yeah, might be, and yeah. Basically, the production team would arrive a little bit earlier there than all the YouTubers and everyone would arrive. And we had maybe eight hours of video shoots from maybe like nine to five, maybe something like that. And after that, we would go to these amazing, amazing dinners, which were followed by just jams. There was like a small stage and like a bar type of thing. And... We were lucky to have guys like Felix there, who's fantastic at the jam st stuff. He can just go on stage and just have fun. A lot of people join him as well on the stage. And yeah, I think those were the thing, like those evening things were the ones that brought us together. Like that's where I sat down with a lot of the people who got to meet them, got to know them, stuff like that. And a lot of those people are still my friends and I'm happy to see them every single time. So... It was an amazing yeah, event I, in that sense. Yeah, I mean, it opened so many doors for so many people. And I think a lot of the people who went to that first event and who kind of made contacts and made friendships with people and with brands, they're still there doing their thing, you know? They've, yeah. they've used that opportunity very well. And I would say you're a good example of that, you know? Now you have your own channel, you have a pretty good following, it's growing all the time, yeah. and you have this wildly successful Capic Fridays show. It's picking up success-wise, I'd say. But yeah, I have to agree. And like, for, I think the Master the Basic series is a great example. Like, I met a lot of those people through these events, stuff like that. Obviously, like, meeting people isn't the only thing. You actually need to, like, work on those relationships and actually be, like, a decent person to <laughs> spend time with, I would say. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's where it all started. And uh, I kind of look forward to all, like... 
I was bummed out like there's no NAM this year because it would have meant that I would have been able to see a lot of my friends again. And like, I hope there's a NAM in 2021. Don't know if that's happening yet, but like, I'm not looking that much forward to the trip itself. Flying there is annoying. I don't like planes and, <laughs> and stuff like that. But I so look forward to seeing all of the friends. That That's where the... I don't, know. I, I don't know what's the expression in English, but like that's where the core of that event lies to me. Like seeing everyone again, like hey, so good to see you. Was it last? Was it? Is it already like over a year since we last saw and stuff like that? Like, and uh, yeah, it's crazy how many friends that I talked to on a regular basis came out from those events. Yeah, yeah. Especially Nam is the place where everyone goes, where all the networking takes place. Yeah. And yeah, for you YouTubers, it's it's a whole mm. lot of fun and you get to build new relationships as well. And it's a lot different when you're working as a brand. It's sure. a whole lot of work, the Nam show, but I love it. It's one of my highlights of the year every year. And I was also really bummed out that it couldn't happen this time. But it's also a good thing that it didn't happen. I think yeah. it wouldn't have been possible. It wouldn't have been right to do it. Yep. They're talking about doing a summer Nam this year in Nashville. I'm wondering if that's going to happen, but if it does, I think it'll be Americans only, but yeah, it could anyway, be on a that really might be the first event to happen. Yeah, it could be on a really small scale as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like, the way, like, vaccinations and stuff are happening in Finland, for example, I could see, like, having a vaccine, like, passport or whatever it's called in other languages, but having that and being actually able to go to something like this, but I don't know. We'll see. It still freaks me out to th even think about being in a, like a crowd like the Nam is. There's so many people. So yeah, so exactly. Many yeah, people. Which actually, which is actually a crazy thing of like that we were there in 2020, like just merely a month or month and a half before things started to shut down. Yeah, I remember we were talking at the Nam show about this yeah. virus that had appeared on the other side of the world. Yeah. And I remember as well that some Asian and Chinese companies, they cancelled Nam 2020. Ah, they didn't think it was safe to come. And we went there and we were still talking about it. But it was it was 100% a totally normal show. Yeah, that's you the know? thing. Like, it, it there, feels there, there was nothing about it that was different apart from maybe those tiny chats. Yeah. But otherwise it was totally normal. Yeah, it's crazy to think of it. Like, it felt normal. Like, well, that was my second NAM, so I wouldn't know, but it felt like the previous NAM as well, except that this time I was, was more prepared and, like, less tired all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, so actually, that, it was a really good NAM as well. Yeah. 2020 and 2019 were better than the two or three before that for some reason. Ah. There was a good feeling in the industry, and in terms of YouTube stuff, there were a lot more of the people there who make mm. good videos and there was a lot more networking going on. Yeah, the last two NAMs were really, really good. And yeah. I think the next one, whenever it happens, fingers crossed, 2022, is going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to it. There's some stuff happening uh, that I can't talk about yet, but like, yeah, I'm excited about NAM 2022 if that happens because there might be some brands that might want to have me there. Wow, that sounded really egoistic. I'm showing off here. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, actually my, my one of my dreams is to be able to bring my brother with me as well to the NAM show because he's been helping out with the channel a lot, like 
editing videos, doing like rough cuts and stuff like that. And would be fun to be able to bring him along as well. But we'll see. There's a lot of things in the motion that might prevent me from going there at all. But we'll see. Let's put it that Fingers way. Fingers crossed. I know. Yep. I know. Uh, speaking of things and pandemics, uh, there's something I want to mention in the random positive thing, and then we'll move on to the telecaster that started it all. And yeah, let's jump to the random positive thing first. Yeah, wow, that is amazing. Yay. Wow, so I don't want to go too political or anything like that, but my random positive thing of the week is the fact that my dad, who has this immune system disease and basically he's like at the high risk group he got his first vaccine shot this week and i'm so relieved that that's finally happening i mean it still takes a week or two or maybe even three before it kicks in really but that's a huge huge relief uh he's not only he's my dad but he's like a super important character for my daughter as well like one of her favorite people in the world and we've had to be like super careful like seeing him or like even taking her to his place so yeah th this is some great news and like in finland right now we're actually doing fairly well i think 25 percent or like roughly 25 percent of finnish population is now vaccinated so things are moving into the right direction there's even talks that we might have some summer festivals going on like uh, late July, maybe August. So I'm super excited about that as well. And this could also mean that, for example, the Finnish guitar event, which happens in February, roughly, like this might also happen next year. So looking good right now, there's like a little bit of sense of this kind of, I don't know, I would describe it as being able to exhale a little bit. You've been, we've been sitting like this tightly for a year and now you can do a little bit of like, like stuff is a little bit moving into the right direction. We've talked about this. It's not exactly the same in Germany, I guess, right now. Or like worse, maybe. Than no. Overall, what did you say? 25% in Finland? Yeah, yeah I think in it, Germany, it, it's, yeah. it's a bit slower things are rolling out it's slow and steady and it's taking its time but yeah. they really want to make sure that they do things right and sure. it's always a case of the european union as a whole making mm. decisions and sharing things out between the countries which of course in some ways is a great thing and in some ways makes it slower you know my mm. home country the uk they're way ahead in terms of the vaccine. They've given out, I think, over 35 million already. So over half oh. of the population in England has been done. So my parents, for example, got their first doses of the vaccine a few weeks ago. They'll have their second one, I think, in early May. And yeah, the UK being out of the European Union now, that's something that they've been able to do faster. Yeah. So that's one advantage of Brexit, I guess, without getting too political. <laughs> Don't want to get into that anymore. True. Maybe we should do a Brexit musicians uh, episode in the future, because that we, would actually be quite interesting. Yeah, it, just it about, would. Yeah, abso yeah, absolutely. But about, about the vaccine stuff, though, I'm just waiting. And yeah. I'm in probably the last group of healthy adults in Germany who will be offered it. And it could be oof, July, August, maybe September. I don't know. Yeah, actually, I'm just patiently waiting here with my <laughs> hundreds of effects pedals and gear in my room and making some videos. And once it's time to come out, I will do that. But I'm taking care to follow all the rules as well. 
Yeah. I'm I, a stickler I, for rules. Yeah. Actually, like, I really like the Brexit episode idea. I already need to know two guests that I think we should invite, even maybe three. One from a company, one from a big band, someone we know, and someone we hung out with a couple of years ago in the summer. We probably should invite him and maybe like one of the YouTubers as well. I think all of like from all of those people I've heard, like it's been weird, challenging. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th that's a good it's, episode. It's certainly been big changes. Yeah, I'm going to shoot some emails slash Facebook messages after the show to make it happen. That sounds a really like a really good idea. I'm interested to hear how it, how it's been going for them right now. Mm. So yeah. But yeah, that's the random positive thing. Uh, let's talk about guitars next. Let's talk about my guitars again, because this section is called my guitars. I'm so funny today. Uh, yeah, the guitar that kind of started the whole guitar building thing was a Squire classic vibe Telecaster and... I don't know if you know more about the Classic Vibe series, but at the time when I was buying it, it was like the upscale or like higher grade Squire that was like actually well spec. They had some more special pickups in them as well. Like it was a good guitar. It was like a custom version of the Telecaster. I think I should have a photo available as well. So it had like a, like a binding going on and it like slightly sharp edges and stuff like that and that was the guitar that got me into telecasters or well technically actually uh i used first of all i used to hate telecasters not not hate them in the sense that i actually hated them but <laughs> don't, don't don't raise your hands like that <laughs> i i know it's madness it's, it's a natural reaction if someone I, says I, they I hate know. telecasters no like i become I, italian straight away hey <laughs> oh hey <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like, Italians, if you're watching this. Yes, exactly, exactly. But like, I like I didn't actively hate Telecasters, but uh, there was just something about them. I thought they looked ugly, and I didn't have like any guitar idols that played tellies. I think that had played part into it as well. And just I had never played one. Like, probably played one. I didn't understand why, like, what they are for because I wasn't into indie like I'm now, obviously stuff like that so uh yeah i just really didn't care for the looks and somehow maybe i associated them with just country music or something like that until uh i met a friend we're still friends that is and like he kind of introduced me to just telecasters in general he had this cool rehearsal space he had a bunch of cool vintage amps there as well and there's this I, I might actually have that clip. Uh, I'll insert it into the show now uh, after I introduce the clip. Uh, I was at his rehearsals space. He had a Marshall full stack, so two 4x12s and like a JM, maybe like an old JMP. And he had mm -hmm. this ESP Telecaster from, I think they made those in the 90s, which are fantastic instruments. And I think I have a clip of him playing that stack and uh, that's what turned me into Telecaster fan. And uh, I think I should have the clip. If I do, here's the clip now. Mm -hmm. 
Rich will see this clip after afterwards when the show actually airs. But yeah, that thing was amazing, amazing sounding. And it made me realize how amazing the Telecasters actually were. Like they were like proper rock machines instead of just country instruments. And that kind of made me search for, oh, I think like somehow I ended up searching for guitar building courses in my area. And when I saw that, hey, like the recommendation for the course was that it's recommended that you first build a Telecaster or maybe a Stratocaster because they're bolt-on necks and stuff like that. They're easier to build. Mm -hmm. And that was like, yeah, I need to build a Telecaster. At that point, I had the classic vibe telly. I, I think I bought it like a few weeks after that rock and roll experience with the ESP telly. Just went to the local shop and like, I need a Telecaster. Do you have anyone, any of those like for this in this budget? And they were like, yeah, there's a few. Pick one. And I think I just walked out with one, one of those right away. And that kind of affirmed that, yes, I do need a Telecaster in my life. And then I just wanted to build my own to kind of, because I pretty quickly figured out that like few of the specs that I wanted to have weren't available in like fenders and stuff like jumbo frets and like compound radius and stuff like that and maybe even like slightly asymmetrical neck those weren't available so yeah i started building my telly which actually took two years to complete but that's how it all started i'm a huge telefan now and if i would have to like you know the desert island guitar thing i would take my white telly it gives me the most tones i love out of all of the guitars I have, and I have pretty good guitars, dare I say. What's your relationship no, you with... Yeah. What's your relationship yeah, with Yeah, I would say my Desert Island guitar is also my telly, my blue 2014. It's a Fender Mexican Fender Special run in ocean blue candy, the beautiful satin, bright blue. You can see it on my channel. Yeah. Maybe I can give you a, a pic or something black yeah, that you sure. can post up here so the guys can see it. And I've always loved tellies for some reason. I think it's also partly because of the kinds of music that I enjoy too. I really like old school, let's call it 60s rock and roll, 60s mm. pop. My parents always were playing records like the Beatles, other 60s rock and roll, psychedelic stuff, that kind of thing. So I knew that Telecasters were suitable for that. And the alternative rock scene in the UK when I was growing up in the early 2000s, maybe even the late 90s when I was a kid, there was a lot of Telecaster usage then. And there were bands like uh, Jet Plane Landing and Fighting With Wire, who none of you or your listeners will know, but they were bands who were playing the local toilet circuit, as we call it, the small <laughs> bars, the small clubs. And loads of those dudes were rocking tellies. And of course, you don't think that a Telecaster is going to be suitable for playing heavy stuff. You associate it, or a lot of players associate it with Nashville, with country, with mm. clean things, with some old school rockabilly and rock and roll. And it can do all of that, but it can snarl like a beast as well. Yeah. The bridge pickup on a telly is just perfect for rock. It's so cutting. It's so bitey. It sits in a mix perfectly. And it's way more comfortable to my ears than a Strat bridge pickup, for example. Yeah, and yeah. So definitely. I've always been a massive fan for that reason. I find them they're super simple. You've got two pickups. You can't really do that much wrong with them. I like a rosewood board, and I looked for years to get a blue one because I like blue with a rosewood board, and that's why I've got the one that I've got. I put a wide range humbucker in the neck of mine, but it's got a coil split, so I have the single coil sounds as well. Oh, but I, I didn't left know that. the 
Yeah, and I left the Fender standard bridge single coil in there, and it's it's fantastic. Nice. My Desert Island guitar. Nice. See, I didn't know this, but it so- sounds like we almost planned this. We love Telecasters episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, I well, mean, I've I've seen yeah. yours on many videos, and it sounds good. It sounds really good, and yeah, yeah, that, they're so versatile. Yeah. you know that they have a, a rep, and I mean you would probably not use a telly to play super chuggy stuff. You'd go to a humbucker for that probably, mm. but you can do it. You, you know, can. I've it's... used mine with the Rev G3 and they go super tight. They're yeah. not as fat as some others and you get more noise, of course, because they're single coils. But yeah, you can basically do everything with a telly. You can do like, I think the only thing that it doesn't like, or like it would be a very distinct sound. Like if you want to do like, like palm muted, like some sort of chuggy riff thing, uh, there's too much quack going on, so to speak. Like, there's this nasal character, which is great for most of the sp- stuff, besides maybe like heaviest metal. Except, I kind of think like if you would put like thick strings on it and you want to do like maybe even like a gentle stuff, if you can like manage the noise somehow, like that comes from the single coils. That thing would cut through so so well as well. <laughs> There's probably someone who's playing like a telly with a like single coil bridge pickup that does exactly that because it just cuts through so well. And yeah, as I mentioned, that's just super versatile, and that's one of the things that like make me love the instrument so much. Uh, like, obviously, I've also played it for so many years now that yeah, no matter what kind of situation I go to like I immediately know okay I need to do this and this engage this pedal and I will get this sound and it will work perfectly for this type of situation so yeah gotta love yeah. tellies I also find yeah me too the simple construction as well you know the bolt on neck it's very easy you're not yeah. going to break that guitar they're not as fragile as set in necks or anything because they're a nice six in line tuning system it stays in tune mine holds tune really really well mm. i've not upgraded any of the hardware or anything like that and again because it's a bolt-on it's super flexible i remember when i yeah. moved from the uk to germany the last time i didn't want to ship any guitars and i yeah. only brought the telly with me but i took the neck off and i put it in my rucksack and literally <laughs> took it on the plane with me so i had to answer a few weird questions at the airport but sure. you know you just take the neck off get to your new place in your new country bolt it back together and you're good to go and it was perfect yeah. just like it was before yeah does yours by the way what kind of bridge you have on it is it like a six saddle one or like the old school one that is one thing i changed i tell a lie ah, that is a very ah. good point mine originally came <clears throat> with a fender mexican standard six saddle bridge and i changed it for one of my very favorite bridges which is a wilkinson uh three brass saddle one ah so you've I got uh, two strings sit in each saddle and they're zinc the the gold colored saddles and people say that that's the only way to get that best telecaster twang i don't do a whole lot of twanging these days but <laughs> i just really like that bridge and i find it physically very comfortable to rest my hand on as well yeah because I, I often rest my hand on the bridge, especially for palm muting, of course, you've got to do it. And that just works for me. And I had a lot of good experiences with that bridge because I used to work for vintage guitars and it's on a whole bunch of them. And I decided mm. just to get a good Wilkinson one for the Fender as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming yours intonates well. Like some people have intonation issues with those three saddle bridges, but yours yeah, seem well, to it's be a Wilkinson, so it's Yeah, 
Now the Wilkinson one has little, oh, I don't know what you call them, grub screws or whatever, so each string is intonatable. Ah, I see, I see. I He's see. a clever man, that Trev Wilkinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. it's a very, very good bridge, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, my like... When I was building mine, I immediately wanted to go for the six-saddle one just because I want to have the individual height and intonation adjustment. Uh, I have fairly sensitive ears when it comes to tuning, and I kind of could actually say I played the wrong instrument <laughs> because, like, <laughs> guitar is always out of tune, but the six-saddle bridge allows me to get it in tune enough and, like, intonate well enough that it doesn't annoy me the, yeah. all the time. And yeah, yeah, it just makes my life easier. That's why I actually kind of struggle with my three three five ish a little bit because it has the tunematic bridge. And besides some of the construction issues I have with it, I build it myself. And there's few things here and there. Like yeah, it it internet's fine, but then again, I've learned to love it. That that kind of Les Paul sound is kind of slightly out of tune. I'd like to think so. I've I've grown to accept it and actually kind of like it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but if you just want a versatile, no frills thing that's just going to stick in tune and perform well for everything. Yeah. Get a telly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I think we want to answer some of your questions and comments next. Questions and comments. Ran asks. Hey man, I have my expensive headphones on and your intro is extremely loud. You've almost destroyed my headphones, not even to talk about my eardrums. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to this, to be honest. Like, you can't blame me. I think To me, it sounds like he just wanted to, he or she wanted to, like, tell us that that person has expensive headphones. <laughs> that's my take on it. <laughs> Do you reckon that's why that comment is there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the only thing that's missing is like that person dropping in the brand of headphones they have. That <laughs> That's not how yeah, the audio I... works. My intro, if, if it was extremely loud, it means your headphones were extremely loud. That's how audio works. Yeah, because your intro also fades in, right? It's yeah. not just an instant kind of boom sort of wall of sound. Uh, Especially if you're talking about Capric Fridays. So it's like you would notice if it was getting too loud and then, you know, ride the fader and yeah. make think, it a little bit quieter. Yeah, I think this video was, oh, this was the Boston X Stone stage video. So this is like a couple of years old, at least even more, I think. And I had the old one, the da 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 type of intro. So it, it does actually kick in quite loudly, but okay, check your levels, man. It's not my fault. It's yours. And I don't know, this might be just a, like a joking comment. Like that person did not reply. And just I, my only reply was like, hey, thanks for the laughs. It made me laugh. <laughs> he might so, be deaf now or she. Oh, that's true. That's the thing. That's, the thing. that's why they're not. Check your levels. Yeah. Yeah. Check your levels. Tinnitus, tinnitus is no joke. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Next question. Thomas Stozak, Zotak, sorry, butchering your name. Hiya, can you tell me how this one compares to the with the new Fender Micro? And this was on the new XMighty Plug Modeler Headphone Amp video. Uh, mm -hmm. Have you seen Fender released the headphone amp thingy, like this small plug, which kind of looks like a wireless unit? Uh, 
Just plug it into your guitar. Yeah, and good to go. I, I've seen a couple of videos for it. It looks pretty awesome. Yeah, like uh, the new Have X1. Have you played it? Uh, Defender one? No. Yeah. I've just had the new X1 and like made a video about it as well. Uh, I did a bit of research. They're a bit different. Like the Fender One seems. I don't think Fender One doesn't have any kind of uh, phone app. You can connect to it via Bluetooth, so you can stream like your music through it. So you can like play yeah. a jam track from your phone into that device, and then you can jam along. But with the new X One, you basically have like a whole app. On the phone, you can choose different app models there, add effects, there's some jam tracks in the app itself as well. And I think there's some other stuff that I'm forgetting right now. And you can also obviously like connect to it via Bluetooth to play jam tracks as well. I do actually kind of like the Fender approach where the controls are physically on the device as well. And Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I just find the whole concept of those things really, really useful. Remember yeah. a few years ago, if you wanted to go on holiday or if you did a whatever, a business trip or something, you could take a travel guitar with you, but taking an amplifier was never really yeah. doable. And now you've got so many digital options, you know, you can connect to your phone or your iPad and these things, the new X and the Fender, and there are some other brands I think who do these little headphone amps. Mm. I remember some box ones from a couple of years ago. Yeah, They're true. so practical. Yeah, and like they're not breaking the bank. It, I think both are under under hundred euros. I think. Really? Wow. Yeah, like r roughly in that price range at at least. And yeah, good things like both, like purely guitar sound wise, both sound equally good or bad. I'd say at at least the high gear sounds like on both, based on all the demos I've seen about the Fender, like they're pretty buzzy, but. They actually like when you jam they're just fine like i had i still had a lot of fun with the mighty plug for example uh just jamming to backing tracks because that was i was doing with it so it's not really an issue like it sounds like good enough no. and both of them seem to have a bunch of effects as well um the new x with the new x1 you can actually use it with bass as well there's like at least two different bass amps which is really cool and i remember doing that as well so yeah, we live in a golden age of guitar gear, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. They're so much better than just playing with a guitar unplugged, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. And they're not any bigger. And like you say, you would not use these little amps to record your next record or something. No. <laughs> but in order to get inspired and play a bit and to make use of effects, if you like that too, they're, they're absolutely perfect. Yeah. I think I might need to get one. Yeah, you should, because it's a, it's a perfect tool to practice or jam to backing tracks without like disturbing anyone and yeah cool things next question hervey hooray sorry again butchering people's names uh commenting on uh, the zoom 505 mark ii demo which is or like which was my first pedal i actually have one here as well my first pedal too some of sounds are good thanks for your demo yeah, like, I was actually surprised when I got it. Like, I sold the original one I had maybe 15 years ago or so already. And I reacquired one a few years ago. And some of the sounds are actually surprisingly good. Like, for 20... No, wait, I think it may, might have come out in 98. So almost 
25 years ago. Like for, wow. a, mo for a model from that time, it's actually very decent. Yeah, it was you, wasn't it, who made a video where you just went through all the sounds on it, right? Yeah. Is that you? I think yeah, so. Yeah, I watched that video. That was, yeah, it's pretty good. Some of the sounds are great. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, with modelers like that, when you go through presets, they're always way too much. Yeah. Because the companies want to showcase, you know, just how much flange is in the unit. So when you have the flanger preset, it's like flange city. And obviously, for making your own sounds, you t dial it way back. The same with the distortions, the same with the modulations, yeah. the delays, reverbs, whatever. But there are lots of usable sounds in them. Yeah. And I mean, like, user interface, interface wise, we've come a long way because on this pedal, it's like, yeah, uh, there's like one red rotating switch where you go through different sounds and there's like, two-digit display that you need use to control everything, which makes it a, kind of a really poor user experience. And it takes a lot of time to dial in the sound. I need to remember, like, because I think you could add, like, a bunch of, you could have, like, distortion and flanger and delay all on at the same time and save it as a preset. But, like, adjusting that takes so much time on that unit. <laughs> so we've come a long way that in that sense. But weirdly enough, like, sound-wise... It wasn't that bad. And like, I think Ola has done a few demos where he like, he took uh, the pod two and just use like disabled the impulse response on that and played through like a proper impulse response. And it didn't sound that much different for, from something that it could get like on a Helix Stomp or something like that. Obviously the user interface yeah. is very different again, but as Pete Thorne says, cabinet is 50% of the sound at least. So. Yeah, exactly. And consider hearing it in a full band mix and, yeah. you know, it makes for a hard blind test, that's for sure. <laughs> exactly. Moving on to the next one, which is, oh, there you go. MKB on the Blue Guitar Iridium versus Mercury Edition. Uh, great video, thank you. Have you tried the Houston Get the Black Spirit and how do you think they compare? Have, have one? And I'm not super happy with the Elite Ultra channel. They just sound and feel way too compressed. The clean slash grunge channels are killer, but just can't quite get into the classic metal slash grunge territory. I'm looking for considering replacing with Mercury. I kind of wanted to, to throw this your way, even though some people could say you're biased. Because once you're... Yeah, I guess... <laughs> Full disclaimer, I used to work for Hughes and Kettner, now I work for Blue Guitar. So, yes. Yeah, just so you know that in advance. Let me just read through the question again. Yeah, not happy with the lead ultra channels. That was always my issue with the Black Spirit 200 and also with the Grandmeister by Hughes and Kettner. They're amazing amps overall. They have so many different sounds. They have amazing MIDI saving capabilities for presets. Yeah. So much control. And the cleans and crunches are great. On the Black Spirit, I actually prefer the cleans and crunches to the Grandmeister. But yeah, if you're doing anything more high gain, I would not do it. I use the lead channel on the Black Spirit 200, but never the Ultra. I found it to be just way too much in terms of gain, way too bassy, way too thumpy, mm. and it just didn't work. And in contrast, the blue guitar stuff, disclaimer, I work for blue guitar. <laughs> the blue guitar stuff sounds way better for all the high gain. So there's two different blue guitar amps as well. There's the Mercury, which is more sort of classically voiced, and that will do classic metal and grunge. But for more high gain stuff, the Iridium is the newer one, and that absolutely kills pretty much everything out there in terms of modern 
and classic metal sounds. And there's lots of A-B tests on the Blue Guitar YouTube channel that you can look at where you'll hear Thomas and others, you know, doing a, a JCM 800 or a Mesa dual rectifier against the Iridium. And you can just see how it matches up and it's super easy to dial in. And mm. otherwise, it's, it's kind of similar to the Black Spirit in the way that you've got four channels and different sounds and you've got a built-in reverb. You don't need to have a speaker connected. You can go straight to headphones. They're both really, really good amps. But again, yeah. disclaimer, I work for Blue Guitar. I would pick the Blue Guitar of the two. No question. <laughs> I should say that in my personal life, I'm currently considering a new amp and I'm probably going to get a Rev. So there you go. <laughs> wow. This I, is, yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I still have a Black Spirit 200 at home. I'm still actually using it in most of the demos that I've put onto YouTube. I also have all the blue guitar stuff here. I have a couple of other things here, but I'm looking for something that can do my sound justice for everything that I like to do and be a bit sort of more kind of just kind of sitting there looking like a normal amp in some of my videos. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's probably going to be a Rev, a D20 or a G20. Don't know yet, but. That's where I go with that. But yeah. yeah, MKB should replace the Black Spirit with the Mercury or the Iridium, depending on their high gain needs, and they will be very happy with it. Yeah. Gotta say, like, yes, I've also been associated with Hughes and Blue Guitar as of late as well. Uh, yeah. I also struggled with the Lead and Ultra Channel both. I've actually had the Grandmaster 40 here as well. Amazing, amazing crunch and clean tones, like, freaking amazing but the same thing with the lead channels like a bit too much like i always like to dial my high gain like rock and high gain tones where it's a little bit difficult like where i still retain the dynamics because then i can kind of alter the sound with my playing like i don't want it to be too compressed because then like when it feels kind of unresponsive in a way to play it's not fun anymore and i feel i feel i struggled a bit with that on the Black Spirit amp as well. Uh, I think actually like when I did the track, you can hear in a lot of my videos that the kind of 80s shred, shred thing. Uh, I think I actually ended up using the Crunch channel boosted for that, for rhythm tones, because I felt it was a bit too mushy mm -hmm. on the lead channels, even with the gain dialed back. And the, with the crunch channel boosted, it was like spot on. So yeah, that, like if you actually like MKB, if you have like some drive pedals, that's something you could try. You could like take the crunch channel, maybe use the internal boost or boost it with a drive. That could do the job. But if you are one of those people who wants to get all the tones from the amp, then maybe try blue guitar or even a rev. So, yeah, that would be my recommendation Yeah, I would as agree. Well. My so. tip for the Black Spirit 200 would be stick a tube screamer in front of it. Yeah. That will tighten up the metal sounds a lot. But, yeah, don't use the ultra channel. Use the lead if you can. And if you can find the voice that you like there, then that's a good option. But the Iridium does not need that. That's It's tight enough and crushing enough on its own. Yeah. And obviously, everyone knows what the Rev can do. One of my favorite, possibly my favorite high gain sound is the clean channel on the Black Spirit 200 with the Rev G3. And that's why I'm edging towards a Rev amp. You know, yeah. it does it makes a lot of what sense. I love. Yeah. Yep. yep. All of my high gain sounds are the Rev G3 into the Rev D20. 
And this is yep. in no way sponsored by Rev. I've bought both of those things with my own money. So I have no reason to praise them other than that I genuinely like them and there's a reason why they are in my studio all the time. And I like, get most, like, the things I use the most here is the D20 and the G3 pedal for a good reason. Yep. So that's actually also an option to explore. Like, so many good options. Moving on to the last <laughs> question before I start rambling about golden age of guitars again. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. The five chord. Hmm. When you did the blind test, I was firmly in the re Iridium camp and not really what I wanted it to be. And he's not talking about the blue guitar Iridium, but this is the Strymon Iridium versus Line 6 HX Stomp comparison. And yeah. In that video, I do a small blind test. Like I think I dialed in like a there's a, like a Marshall amp on the Iridium, Strymon Iridium again, not the Blue Guitar Iridium, <laughs> and the HX Stomp. I think I dialed in pretty much the same amp, and I used the same IR for both as well. And I think he wanted to. I think he wanted HX Stomp to sound better on that blind comparison. But because it was a blind comparison, I actually leaned toward the Iridium one. So, yeah, that's why you do blind tests. It reveals your biases, which I'm like definitely guilty of. Like, it was fun to do those. I actually, like, when I was shooting that video, I did a blind test myself. Like, compared those. I think I, like, mixed them up somehow and compared. And I think I ended up liking something. That, I think I ended up liking HX Tom on one of those tracks, at least. So even though I was kind of leaning towards the reading because it sounded better. I'm putting that in quotes. Yeah, I mean, we totally hear with our eyes as well. Yeah. And I think that's why blind tests are such popular YouTube videos, you know? There are channels like Anderton's where they get hundreds of thousands of hits on all those videos, and it's always, yeah, it's always an eye-opener to be blind in that <laughs> sense because... Yep, true. You always you lose those prejudices that you had before. You totally are not thinking about what something costs or what the brand image is, that kind of thing. And it's yeah, it's awesome. And you've got to be brave to to do a blind test as well because yeah. you can make yourself look dumb, you know. Yeah, the, the, like there's been blind tests that are kind of have all almost like made me angry because they revealed my like d biases, like deep biases I have towards some pieces of gear. Uh, like, I, it's. I think it's normal to like some brands more than others, but like, it's also like. So, sometimes I've almost like felt angry because <laughs> some of the blind tests are well, like I didn't lean towards the product I wanted to lean towards too, and yeah, gotta do more of those I think in the future because I think they're super revealing and just fun, but yeah. I can also like I I appreciate this commenter's honesty about it. Like he or she didn't expect to get the results they got, and I think that's always really interesting. So thank you. And as the last thing of the show, let's dive into the weekend watch. And I got something different there now. Nowadays, this time that's the word I'm looking for. I think I need my third <laughs> cup of coffee today. Yeah, weekend watch next. Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Video! It's not like you have anything else to do. This week's Weekend Watch isn't a video on YouTube because uh, I found a new show that I actually like. 
uh, on Disney Plus called Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm not a huge Marvel fan in general, I'd say. Like, I think a lot of the movies they've put out over the past 10 plus years are fun, entertaining. I especially love the first Iron Man movie. Maybe a few of those that were in between. Not a huge fan of the Avengers movies. They're fine. Uh, but this series has surprised me. There's actually like interesting characters that on paper don't look like interesting characters. I think they spend the whole first episode just kind of de developing the relationship between the Falcon guy and the Winter Soldier. And they're actually interesting people. Like they managed to establish them as interesting people, which surprised me. I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. Might be good, might not be. And I think I'm four episodes in, I think the fifth one probably is today. So they release one each week, which by the way, is also a really good thing. And yeah, if you got Disney Plus, check it out. I think in Finland, at least it's like six bucks a month right now. So it's cheaper than anything else out there. And I have been actually su like surprised how good it has been so far. I'm assuming you haven't checked it out yet, or like, have no. you checked? <laughs> have I you was checked? just letting you talk because yeah. no, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen a trailer for it. I've I've never really been into the superhero movies that much. The Avengers, mm. X Men, that kind of thing. I never really got it. So I'm just gonna say, watch what Vlad wants you to watch <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, and I probably won't bother, but yeah, maybe I'll watch some trailers and see. Uh, yeah. Do you, I'm assuming generally, you have generally. I think I prefer like more realistic sort of yeah. films. I, I sadly, it's going to sound super pretentious, but I've watched a lot of European art house cinema over the years, <laughs> and I studied it as part of my university degree. Oh, sure. So I like these boring French films where people sit in cafes and nothing happens, and then it's the end. I mean, so <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the absolute opposite of the Avengers, yeah, and Thanos and stuff like that. Yeah, like. I've watched most of the Avenger movies, but like, there's been only like maybe one or two that I wanted to watch again. Let's put it that way. Like, there's been only few. Most of them are like, I don't know. They're very safe. Let's put it that way. This doesn't feel like yeah. that. They're like, the, I think the overall premise is very interesting. Like, to catch you up on what happened in the Avengers movies, basically half of the universe's population was wiped down for I think five years and this thing picks up like a year or two after like those people were brought back and what happens like when for five years half of the population is gone and then you suddenly bring them all back and try to kind of start living again like people actually like obviously had moved on over the past five years and then suddenly all of their families and stuff were brought back. Like the premise is like surprisingly like deep and interesting. Actually, that that's what surprised me because I I don't feel those emotions kind of were conveyed over the Avengers movies. Like they were really like oh oh by the way did we did you remember that we had this amazing Captain or like what's her name not Captain America but the other one uh, that's even more powerful the like the Superman version but. She's a woman. What's her name? Not Wonder Woman. That's a different, different comic brand. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, Captain Marvel. Yes, she's like she can fly in space and like 
basically could have beaten the whole Thanos thing by herself, but they just bring her at the last minute in the movie. Oh, by the way, she's back now, and suddenly we were winning the whole thing. And like, I hate that. It's it's lazy writing, but this one, pretty <laughs> impressed so far. That was a long rant about a movie series. I don't really have like I I'm not passionate about it either way. Like I don't actively dislike it or actively like it. But the series that I'm recommending is actually good. Take a look at the trailer if you have a Disney Plus subscription. Check it out. And if you don't have, I'd say you probably should give it a try just because of this series, but more mostly because of The Mandalorian, especially the season two is killer. So, yeah, check those out. And I think that wraps up Cat Pick Friday's episode number 11. I still can't believe we are 11 episodes in Thank you, Rich, for joining. Did you have fun doing this? Thanks for having me back for my second interview. I had a good time. I hope I performed to the required level. And will I ever return for a third episode? Mm. Only you can decide. Yes. And by you, I mean the viewers and Vlad. Exactly. Please comment if you hate me or if you like me. And Vlad will choose whether to have me back again in future based on that. Uh, that, that has to be the first time I hear anyone saying, like, at the end of the video, please comment if you hate me. <laughs> that's you know, all comments are going to help the video in the algorithm, that, that's, right? So. That's true. So if, whether you like Rich or hate him, please comment down below. <laughs> and yeah, thank you so much for watching. Again, links below in the description for a bunch of the stuff we mentioned here and also... If you enjoy the show, but you haven't subscribed yet, please consider subscribing. Links to Rich's channel in the description as well. And yeah, have a great weekend. Or if you're listening to this on Monday, have a great week. Something like that. Thank you so much for watching. I shall see you next time.